depends who the options are. If, it's, uh, uh, if Imran Khan were running, I would take time to vote for him. But I don't know of any other political it, figure in Pakistan who seems to be uh, worth devoting much political energy and effort to. Uh, sometimes it's worth going to the polls just to vote against the worst, not for anyone. So maybe that's the case in Pakistan too. But elections are, even in democratic societies, functioning ones, they're a, a small departure from activism. They should take five minutes. So when there's an election, election coming up in the United States, you may uh, take a few minutes away from the regular dedication to activism and say, okay, I'll go to the polling station, put a lead, push a lever, then I'll go back to work. It's, uh, they're not major issues. It's worth keeping the worst out. But once you've done that, you go back to work. The real politics is everyday education, organizing, whatever kinds of activism can be undertaken. That's what ultimately leads to changes in policies. Uh, so take the United States, the Biden administration actually did have some pretty good domestic policies, but they didn't come from voting. They came from lots of political organizing, organizing on the ground. Well, I don't, I'm a little reluctant to talk because I've not studied it in any depth, but my general impression is he was making an effort to do some fairly decent things. There were possible criticisms. Uh, I don't think anything happened that justified uh, his uh, expulsion from the political system. I'll repeat exactly what I've said a dozen times in response to this. Okay. Uh, it's plausible to believe that the US would have been involved. It would be certainly consistent with past history in Pakistan and, ever, and many other places, but there's really no convincing evidence of it that I've seen. Well, there's another aspect to this debate. Until Pakistan reaches an accommodation with India, it has no hope. I mean, the, Pakistan is completely incapable of maintaining a confrontation with India for reasons of scale, development, economic uh, strength, and so on. Uh, that confrontation will destroy Pakistan. Uh, right. So there must be an accommodation 
with India. So South Asia can become more or less unified. And then uh, 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 sharply reduce the enormous waste in military expenditure, right. weaken the role of the military, then there might be some hope for Pakistan to move on an independent course. But as long as the confrontation with India uh, persists, Pakistan is going to be much too weak to do anything. You couldn't find my vision because I didn't express it. I don't like to talk about things that I haven't studied in some depth. I have impressions, but uh, uh, they're hardly worth talking about. If I look at an issue in depth and with care, I'm willing to talk about it. I'm by no means an expert on the internal affairs of Pakistan. The withdrawal from Afghanistan doesn't change the US stance with regard to South Asia. Uh, the United States invaded Afghanistan with absolutely no justification. It was right. straight, outright aggression. There was no right. basis for it. Uh, the, uh, the best explanation of if if the U.S. had been concerned with Al Qaeda, which wasn't particularly, if it had been, it would have accepted the Taliban's offer to uh, permit uh, independent uh, uh, jurisdiction over anyway. Bin Laden and his associates. Rejected that. And the Taliban. Finally, within a month or two of the invasion, simply surrendered. They said, mm -hmm. uh, do whatever you like. Donald Rumsfeld, Secretary of Defense, answered, okay. we do not negotiate surrenders. George Bush repeated, we do not negotiate surrenders. And they went on to attack Afghanistan, all for show. In fact, the best, if, the be if they had ever been interested in Al Qaeda, which they basically conceded they weren't, they would right. have used a small police operation, which was sufficient. Right. Taliban wanted to get rid of him. But uh, the best explanation for the inv invasion was actually given by Abdul Haq, the leading figure in the anti-Taliban resistance, who was right. uh, interrogated by a leading specialist on Afghanistan, Anatol Yevin. Uh, El Khak said, the United States doesn't care about Afghans. Uh, it's undermining, it's just killing Afghans. It's undermining our efforts to withdraw, overthrow the Taliban from within. It simply right. wants to show its muscle and intimidate everyone. Well, that gets back to the current situation, which is the same. U.S. wants to show its muscle and intimidate everyone. It has a difficult relationship with South Asia. Uh, it's Pakistan to mm -hmm. the United States has intended from the very beginning to just 
somehow maintain Pakistan as a client state, uh, gave support for the military when it wanted to overthrow the government, mm -hmm. gave support to the most brutal governments when it needed their uh, cooperation. Uh, but And it's upset about the fact that Pakistan continues to have close relations with China. The United right. States doesn't like that, but hasn't been able to stop it. Well, somewhat similar with regard to India. Uh, right. It's had a convoluted relationship with India. There's no time to run through it. But right. in recent years, the United States has been trying very hard to bring India into mm -hmm. its coalition uh, to confront China. The main right. concern for U.S. foreign policy is how to undermine China, prevent China's development, and the uh, official term is encircle China with a ring right. of sentinel states uh, heavily armed with precision at weapons aimed at China and to prevent China's technological development by blocking uh, commercial negotiations both of the right. United States and other countries with China. Well, India is half in, half out. It has accepted, it's part of the so-called quad, uh, United States, Japan, Australia, uh, India, but it's not an active member, refuses to participate in many uh, US actions, and it maintains its close relations with uh, Russia, much to the consternation of the United States. So it's a mixed story. The Modi administration, which is dismantling Indian secular democracy and right. instituting uh, Hindu ethnocracy, uh, mm -hmm. the United States has no particular objection to that, hasn't acted with That's regard true. to India's uh, virtual annexation of Kashmir, the US right. Maybe says a couple of words about it, but doesn't respond. It basically doesn't care. It wants right. India to be incorporated in the U.S. dominated global system. Is concerned that India is pretty much refusing, though it maintains reasonably right. close relations with the United States. controversial issue right now. The United States is trying very hard to maintain its position as the single global hegemon, the dominant, right. single dominant power in the world. Right. It is in to fracture. You could see it very clearly in the uh, Munich uh, security conference that just took place in Munich. Uh, the, there was a split between sharp split between the United States and Western Europe on the one hand and the rest of the world on the other hand. The United States and Europe were trying very hard to get the countries of Africa, Latin America, South Asia to join, the, join them in a war against Russia. They, they refused almost totally refused, refused even in visits to 
the new president of Brazil, Lula, uh, was in happened to visit Washington. And even in Washington, he simply told the United States, Brazil is not going to take part in this war. It's not going to send weapons to Ukraine. Same position as all the other Latin American countries, right. African countries, uh, India, Indonesia. They are not breaking relations with Russia. They are calling for a peaceful negotiated settlement. The United right. States with Europe trailing behind it wants to escalate the war. The rest of the world wants a negotiated diplomatic settlement. Most of the world sees the war as a kind of proxy war between the United States and Russia fought over Ukrainian bodies. And what right. they want is an end to the war. There was a very sharp split. If you look at the comments by the presidents, the participants from mainly Latin America and Africa, that was their standard position. Uh, Modi has taken the same position. Indonesia, the same position. Uh, partly it's, uh, they're maintaining relations with China. China's quietly expanding its uh, loan and investment program over Eurasia. The United States is trying to stop it. it can't do anything about it. Uh, this is expanding for China into Africa, uh, Southeast Asia, and even into Latin America, where China is now the main trading partner. That's the backyard of the United States. Okay. Desperate to try to stop it, but has no way to do okay. it. So the world is fracturing into, uh, it's also happening in the financial systems. Uh, right. The uh, United States has been running the international financial system. It's basically right. run from New York and Washington. And the US sanctions uh, force other countries to obey them, uh, even if they don't want to, because right. uh, otherwise the US will throw them out of the financial system. Well, that's changing. There are now independent arrangements being developed between Russia and India, between uh, many countries in China, which evade the dollar-based financial system. Again, the United States is trying to stop it, but yeah. has very little way to do it. So yes, there is a multipolar order developing. At the same time, the United States is working hard to try to maintain its dominance. And right. actually, uh, President Putin gave the United States an enormous gift. Uh, the, right. His criminal invasion of Ukraine was also an act of criminal stupidity. He handed Europe to the United States on a silver platter. Europe could have moved towards an independent course in world affairs, could right. have become what part of uh, Mikhail Gorbachev called the common European home from Lisbon to Vladivostok. Well, Putin undermined that possibility. Now Europe right. is virtually a vassal of the United States. Well, each of these countries is different. At right. Turkey, 
the military in the past has right. uh, pretty much dominated the country when it chose to. There were military coups when they didn't like what the civilians were doing and so on. That's right. not entirely the case anymore. The military right. has been weakened. The civilian uh, government, the Erdogan government, is much more independent of the military than it was in the past. Uh, so uh, it has plenty of problems, serious problems. But I think the role of the military is no longer the internally the dominant one. Uh, Myanmar is a different story. Uh, right. Goes way back. The it's not very much discussed, but the military in Myanmar was basically created by Israel. Uh, during mm. Israel was the leading, uh, when other countries, Western countries, were keeping away from the dictatorship, Israel was directly involved in building up the military, training it, arming it, and so on. Uh, Israel claims that it's now drawn away from that slightly, whether that's true or not, we don't know. But the military has, of course, taken power, took power back in around 1960 when the uh, democratic government was overthrown. And although it's relaxed its hold slightly now and then, it maintains a strong grip on the country. It's uh, There's plenty of resistance, could collapse internally doesn't uh, uh, it's, a, it's a different situation than Pakistan. Pakistan has its own problems with the role of the military and the corruption of the political system. It's going to have to right. be dealt with internally in Pakistan. There's That's much true. more than that. Uh, religious nationalism has right. taken such an extreme form in Pakistan that it's right. undermining secular society. The educational system, um, scientific research—it's all going to collapse if uh, if the religious fundamentalism uh, maintains its grip on the power system. Similarly, they're happening elsewhere, including in Israel. I'm asked questions like this in many countries, which mm -hmm. are similar to Pakistan. And the answer is you cannot find out an answer from someone who is not deeply engaged in the affairs of the country in question. People who ask this question know a lot more about it than I do. There are no general answers. If there were, somebody would have made them public a long time ago. There are no general answers as to how people can get involved in political activism, certainly not in highly repressive countries, but even right. in free countries. So right. suppose some young person in the United States right. wants to know how to get into uh, uh, engaged in political activism. There's nobody right. in the world that they can turn to. Uh, right. Nobody outside the United States. You have to know the specific circumstances, what the options are, 
I mean, I have friends in Pakistan who are mm -hmm. engaged in politics and know the circumstances well, have suffered for it. Uh, they can right. perhaps give some answers, but it just doesn't make sense to look to the outside to find someone right. who can give an answer, a general answer to questions uh, which depend uh, on specific circumstances, on the details right. of what are of it possible, on the person right. in question, what the person is willing to undertake and endure. Uh, these are all questions that have to be answered basically by the person himself or by someone who knows the circumstances with considerable detail and understanding. There are no general answers.